Welcome into Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. Very special episode this week. I think that's like three weeks in a row. So many special episodes. This one, however, is actually special in that Dragon Ball Super Superhero was released in Japan last week. And many of us have had the opportunity to watch it. So we're going to be taking a look at that a little bit today uh, in full-ass spoiler mode. Probably not going to do anything like too in-depth with the plot. Unfortunately, the only copy I've been able to get so far hasn't had subtitles. There are some like Facebook group automatic subtitle stuff going on that some people are kind of using. I clicked through that after watching a non-subbed version and it was like, this isn't very good. So I'm going to wait for somebody to put out some proper translations. Then maybe at that point we revisit it as like, uh, you know, a plot synopsis breakdown beat by beat. But today is just going to be like general impressions, your thoughts, my thoughts. Very spoiler heavy episode, which reminds me, uh, typically this time of the month, we've got spoilers to be talking about in the manga. And there were some drafts that came out. Uh, if you're not trying to get things spoiled for you, that's going to be a recurring theme on this episode. So, um, yeah, spoilers are Vegeta's getting the shit kicked out of him, and he's amped on it because it's making him more powerful. And Gas is like, well, I'll just kill you then before you can get more powerful. How about that? Vegeta's like, good luck, bud. And then Gas uses, he basically instant teleports Vegeta to a different location within the battle. And Goku's like, oh, shit. He can use his instantaneous movement move on other people, like, at will. So, wild development. I, I think I could be wrong. I'm pretty sure we saw Zamasu do that. Maybe not during a fight with a person, but I think he does it with an object to Goku, maybe. I don't know. I could be wrong, but that's really all we've got for drafts right now. So, really not a, a ton of time spent there. Um... You know, if you listen to the show, though, you know, we do spoilers for the manga every single month. Toei strategically puts out drafts early before the chapter drops to start getting conversation ready around it. You know what I mean? If you listen to the show, you know that that's a common marketing tactic for Toei. That brings me to the uh, the transition of spoilers for this movie have been a very, very sensitive topic in our community. And I got to be honest. I'm a little dumbfounded about it. <laughs> I guess it kind of shows like not everybody's in this shit month to month and is familiar with how Dragon Ball historically has been promoted before a piece of media comes out. So the idea of spoilers coming out for this movie or leaks or maybe not even leaks, but like rips of the movie going online, things like that. Some people are really upset and I'm just like, are you new? Are you new here? What are you doing, man? I don't understand why you're... This, is, this happens every single month. But apparently there are some people who are holding out for that American dub. And they want to go in fresh as possible, unspoiled. And they've just kicked back and lashed out. And have been very upset about these spoilers. And I'm just like, dude! <laughs> what's the matter with you? You know how this works, don't you? Oh, you don't? You're dirty dub casual? Got it. I see you. But they did release the American uh, version or like the Funimation dub trailer yesterday. A very, I think it's the same trailer that we already seen in Japanese. So I think it's pretty much the same cut 
uh, just with the English voices. And I'm excited. I can't wait to go see it in a theater. I will be there the opening day. So just want to get that out there for all the people who are like, oh, you saw a version of it? Man, you must not like supporting anime. Fuck you, buddy. All right, look at what I do. I'm literally making a podcast for like five years talking about Dragon Ball. Tell me I don't support anime, bro. Spent so much money on this goddamn shit. I'm looking around a room full of Dragon Ball shit, man. Get out of here. I don't support anime. Beat it. I'm so passionate about it. I got to see it. And then when it's properly released, I will go see that shit again and pay for it. Because that's just how much I love this shit. The people who needed to find a leak of it like the day of are the same people who are going to go see that shit when it comes out in the theater. Even if they didn't really like it that much. Which there's a good, uh good portion of those people as well with this dragon ball super superhero movie right so i i don't know i say that all as a long preamble to let you know full spoilers spoilers all the time on the show if you're sensitive to spoilers stop being a little baby bitch okay but before i get into my general thoughts of the movie i do have to speak to the spoilers that we got the week before the movie so last week was the birthday pod thanks for checking that out i'm glad people had fun with it week before though there was full ass leaks from dbs chronicles and from geekdom and from dbs hype and they were just so goddamn crazy i was like this is there's no way this is gonna happen this is this is out of this world crazy level shit this is like some fan fucking fiction shit you know and i did kind of leave room for error in that episode where I'm like, it could happen, I guess, but I just don't see how it would or why they would do it this way or how they would hold sell back from the marketing material. Like, I don't see how you do all of that. I don't see why they would do that. And they did. So I guess an apology to those guys, mostly DBS Chronicles, who, like I say all the time with him, it's a love-hate relationship. Like, always puts out good, reputable shit and then elevates some stupid shit every once in a while as, like, a way to troll people. And I thought maybe his leaks were a little bit of that. And also just, like, it's the week before the movie. Like, there's not going to be this many eyes on the Dragon Ball property again for a while. You know, probably not until the anime comes back. So this is a chance to elevate my visibility within the Twitter world, Instagram world, whatever. And I'd say mission accomplished for that dude on that. But I guess I just don't like the way in which he did the leaks. And I, I asked him, I was like, you know, the, the cryptic nature in which he put out these leaks made me think like, bro, you're hedging your bets. You're taking some guesses on what this movie might be. And if it doesn't work out this way, you know, you've got, um, some plausible deniability being like, Oh, you know, that's not what I meant. I said it vaguely because I actually meant this. Like that was the way in which all of his leaks came out. And I was like, bro, get the fuck out of here. Say it or don't say it. So I asked him, I'm like, dude, why, why are you doing it like this? And he said, because he would risk a lawsuit from Toei for leaking the plot, which, okay. Yeah, that makes sense that I get why. But to that, I asked him, well, then why the fuck would you even risk it by doing dumb shit like this? And he said, because I want to get some leaks out. And that was basically the end. It was like, uh, you know, a comment thread either on Twitter or Instagram. I don't remember, but I think it was Instagram. 
If you don't follow me, go do that at DB Superdope. Uh, lots of new followers the last few weeks. Thank you for interacting with the community and, and me and talking shit, you know? So yeah, apologies to DBS Chronicles. Geekdom, I, I mean, I didn't really go after him because honestly, I didn't listen to what his leaks sounded like. Um, I, I don't know. You guys all know I have a very interesting relationship with Danny. Uh, we are friendly enough, but there are some things that he does that drive me a little bananas sometimes. Uh, if you hear him use the term bio broly stank, you can tell him I said thank you. Because uh, that's how I, I, I uh, described Cell at the end of this movie to him the other day. So here's what I want to do. I want to give you some of my general impressions of the movie. An Akira Toriyama interview came out in a pamphlet that was like used as promotional material for the movie. I want to read through that a little bit. I think there are some very cool, interesting tidbits within there. And then as I let you guys know a couple of weeks ago, I'm trying to get, you know, some more fan engagement, some more interacting with uh, the community, get your voice, your thoughts heard on the show more, uh, you know, and try to expand it from, you know, just like the regular guys that I hang out with in the Discord all day. So uh, we put up some Instagram questions, we meaning me. I don't know why I'm referring to myself in the royal we today. Maybe it's because it's like one o'clock on a Wednesday and this is very much not how I or when I usually podcast, and I'm out of fucking sorts, okay? Leave me alone. I'll refer to me as we all I want. But we asked you some questions on Instagram in our story. Again, our, plural. Story about some of your thoughts on the movie. So I want to go through your answers as well uh, after that Toriyama interview. And then a voicemail. I feel like I should have uh, put all this shit up at the front of the show, but eh, am I going to get creative with editing this week and move this to the front? Probably not, unless my general impressions for the movie, right? As I said, uh, the version we watched, and we, I can actually say we at that time, because we as a group, a bunch of us have seen it. Know what I mean? So the one that we saw didn't have subs, and I think, you know, there will be some things left open to interpretation from my perspective. I didn't even really go so far as to watch like a detailed like plot breakdown of the movie on YouTube or something like that by somebody else. I'm I'm good. It's Dragon Ball. It's not the most complicated plot in the world. And honestly, there were some moments in there where even though it was maybe not dialogue heavy, but uh, you know, just based on how the characters are interacting with one another, some of the phrases here and there, like I could follow most of the plot of the film, man, even without you know subtitles. That said, I'm sure the subtitles and a good translation of it will bring uh, some other dynamics to it. So again, we'll revisit this movie plot uh, breakdown, you know, beat by beat at some point, probably in the next month or two. I don't know. Maybe we wait until the the sub comes out in, or the, excuse me, the dub comes out in August. So that said, I still had a really, really fun fucking time with this movie, man. Such a good time. It's Dragon Ball, obviously I'm going to have a good time, right? But I was a little iffy going into it in regards to the animation style and stuff like that. And and the fact that it's a Gohan movie, he's not exactly my favorite character. I love Piccolo, but the idea of Piccolo being a main character, I thought it was interesting, but I was like, what are they going to do here? You know, I, I thought it was a very fun movie. I had a blast with it. I watched it two times on Sunday afternoon. Um... Some people did ask, like, when is this movie supposed to be set in terms of the canon timeline, like before or after which arcs? And it's a very valid question. I don't have a firm answer, 
But I will say this. Uh, I imagine it's after the Granola arc. I imagine this story happens after what we see or are seeing conclude in the manga. And I believe that is the case because of Pan's age. Goten and Trunks are obviously aged up as well. It's been a couple of, I think it's probably a couple of years after Granola, maybe a year. Who knows? But I do think it's after Granola. One of the confusing things about that for some people was that uh, Broly, a, a lot of times you can tell like what time period of Dragon Ball you're set in based on the transformations characters have or don't have. So the fact that we don't see Vegeta use an Ultra Ego or Goku use a Mastered Ultra Instinct or, or even no, no transformations on Beerus's planet at all in this movie. That was one of the DBS spoilers that came out real early and that made me kind of raise my eyebrow and say, hey, maybe this guy's got some legit info. But either way, because we don't see Vegeta do an Ultra Ego transformation and he also does not have his Hakai Shin earring on his ear, that threw a lot of people off. They thought maybe this is before the Granola arc because you'd assume Vegeta's wearing that earring. Yeah, you're right. Totally right. However, two different teams working on two different um, you know, mediums of Dragon Ball. One's on the page. One's on the big screen. I'm sure Akira Toriyama, known to uh, historically fly by the seat of his pants, either he didn't know he was going to have Vegeta do what he's doing right now with his beerish training and, you know, the assuming the mantle of the Hakai Shin earring or taking that on. Either Toriyama didn't know, which wouldn't shock me. He just threw it in one month in terms of the story. Uh, or Toyotaro, I guess maybe that he could get credited with that decision as well. Who fucking knows? Who cares? Uh, either way, I just don't imagine the manga team communicated that to the movie team while they were doing pre-production models for these characters. So uh, it, it's just, even though that earring thing is a continuity that kind of threw people off a little bit, which I, I get why, but understand why that earring is not there. And it's most, almost, it's definitely set after Granola. I mean, look at how old Pan, Goten, and Trunks are, right? Um, So the things that I really liked about this new movie, right? Piccolo, Pan, Gohan, that's like a very interesting three-way kind of main cast, those three. It's fun because there's the family dynamic there, father, daughter, master, mentor. It's a good time. And I didn't, honestly, I did not expect to have as good a time with those three characters as I did. All three of them were like the embodiment of Dragon Ball to me. And what that means is, is they were cool. They threw hands, and they were funny. That's like the three things I think I like about Dragon Ball. The characters are cool, they kick a bunch of ass, and man, can they be fucking funny. And all three of those characters did an excellent job with that in this movie. I really, really like the direction they're starting to take with uh, Super, this version of Pan, versus like the GT version of Pan. And I think it kind of makes sense because, you know, if you think about the end of DBZ, uh, even though we're coming up on that in terms of the continuity, I think it aligns a lot more with that four-year-old version of Pan who's running around smacking big grown men and, you know, still uh, is sensitive and four years old and cries when she drops her ice cream on the ground and the doggies eat it. You know, I, I like that uh, going back to that original idea for Pan, because GT Pan does get a little annoying sometimes. There's no doubt about it. She's, uh, you know, like a preteen. You ever met a preteen? Preteens are fucking annoying, man. They don't know when to shut up. They say the worst shit. Like, they don't have a filter. I have a couple preteens in my life. I love them. Don't get me wrong. But, man, 
they say some fucked up shit sometimes. Free teams are the worst. Anyway, really enjoyed those three characters taking the lead. And <laughs> meanwhile, you know, Goku and Vegeta, the lead characters, are off on Beerus' planet training with Broly. The idea of side characters having a lead story like this is, you know, go on and pick a low side-ish characters for Dragon Ball Z. It's not like it's Yamcha and Tien or some shit, but, you know, Piccolo and Gohan are lesser characters than Goku and Vegeta. We all know that. But the idea of taking the main characters away off on some other thing to do to be able to give these side characters a time to shine. I love it, first of all. And second of all, it reminds me of this episode of Buffy. And I know I equate Buffy shit on, I bring up Buffy all the time. It's one of my favorite shows ever, but there's this one episode of Buffy, I think it's season three, and Xander, like the normal dude in their group, who doesn't really have any powers, he's the guy who gets to knock the fuck out at all the battles all the time, and they're like, oh no, Xander, we gotta get him out of here, back to home base and bandage him up. He's that guy. Uh, he has a car, he drives. Actually, it's funny, because this episode, uh, he gets a very cool car, right? And he wants to be the cool car guy. And uh, nobody really cares. They're like, yeah, whatever, Xander. We have to go off and fight this big apocalyptic uh, evil demon thing. You have to stay away. You'll just get killed. So he's left to go have his own like solo adventure. And it's like much more low stakes. Meanwhile, in the background, though, you get these glimpses of Buffy and Angel and Oz and Willow like fight and Giles like all fighting this big crazy hell demon in the library. And like having these really uh, like impactful deep model. Uh, conversations with each other or just monologues like out in the open about like this could be it this could be the death of it and you're like yo what the fuck is going on in this story why isn't the episode walked like why aren't we watching this that's all a really long way for me to say that's exactly how i felt about goku vegeta and broly's training on beerus's planet that's where i wanted to be that would have been a really ass a really boring ass movie with almost zero plot but i could have watched that for uh, an hour two hours easy just Chilai, Beerus, Lemo, hanging out, eating ice cream, cooking food. Broly observing a battle between the two greatest warriors in Universe 7. That would have been really cool. However, go on and pick a little story. I'll stop bringing up Buffy and weird shit like that. Another thing I really loved about this movie, almost every new character they brought in, all the new characters were amazing. The Gamma Androids 1 and 2, 2 specifically, is my favorite. I knew they were going to do that shit when I was watching the movie because, you know, they look very similar, but like their personalities are very different. Gamma 1's like real straight laced, but Gamma 2's like real goofy and kind of, uh, you know, into the idea of being a superhero. And it just shows that he's like the less serious of the two. And once I saw, once I like, I clocked that, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, no, nah, that that Gamma 2's Resolve soundtrack thing that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. He's definitely fucking dying, man. Loved them. I love 2 specifically. And I also love the character of Dr. Hito. I did not expect to like the character of Dr. Hito. He too kind of holds like this Stan culture uh, aspect of him when it comes to superhero stuff. And that inspires a lot of his creations and stuff that he looks to do in the world, and that's effectively how the Red Ribbon Army persuades him to, you know, join their side, build these Gamma androids to be able to battle back against uh, 
you know, the evil people, Bulma Brief over at Castle Corp, who has her own set of evil villains or whatever the hell he says in that car ride. Man, what a fun movie. All the Red Ribbon Army guys, those are done, I mean, kind of homages to their original character, right? Like Magenta's Commander Red. Uh, Carmine, I guess, would be... I mean, Carmine's very vague in that... Uh, excuse me, vague. Carmine's very vain and that he's always like combing his hair and he's got like his Carmine Presents logos before the videos that he shows. I think that's meant to parallel... I, I almost want to say purple, but maybe not. I don't know. They all kind of like call back to former members of the Red Ribbon Army that we saw in OG Dragon Ball. So I like that a lot too. Uh, the movie overall though is just, I think a lot of it, we all thought a lot of this was going to be very low stakes going into it. Like slice of life's not the right word for sure. Not the right phrase for sure, but uh, maybe low stakes, like how serious could stuff get? Goku and Vegeta are off planet and Gohan's going to handle it. How serious could this get, right? But, and a lot of the movie did feel that way. Like it was going to wrap up, be very self-contained. And then you get to the last 10 minutes of the movie. The last 10 minutes of this movie are, I don't know, still fun. It's still in the spirit of Dragon Ball. Big, crazy battle blast stuff, right? And it speaks to what we talked about two weeks ago, what I talked about just earlier in this episode. I firmly did not expect them to utilize Cell at all. The threat of Cell is present and almost from the very beginning of the movie, this idea of Cell Max, right? And when it finally comes to, I mean, I guess I'm, I'm not super keen on second form Cell's design. Never have been. Uh, I like first form cell, that crazy bug creature who will kill the entirety of, you know, Ginger Town. And perfect cell is, you know, it's in the name, baby. He's, he's perfect. Second form cell is not my favorite cell. Never mind like a discolored red sort of version that is now fucking Godzilla sized. I did see some, you know, mashups. I, I, I've been so active in the Dragon Ball fan groups uh, over the last couple over the last week, I guess, mostly. Um, which is something I haven't done in a while. And I'll be honest, man. I, I kind of remember why sometimes. Like, y'all are fucking intolerable. However, there's been some good memes and pointing out things in the story uh, or like parallels to other things in Dragon Ball. And it does sort of borrow from the perfect or the second form cell. It takes Hachiok. Hachiok is the villain for. Uh, you know, plan to eradicate the Super Saiyans, I believe is what it's called. It was like a OVA that came out as part of a video game. And then when Raging Blast 2 came out, whatever, like 10, 12 years ago for Xbox 360, they featured like an unlockable, like a full episode of it uh, properly done. I had the bootleg back in the day. I actually still might have it around here somewhere. I, I remember the, the label of the VHS was a blue spine and it said Project Termination. And I was like, that sounds crazy. You're going to kill Gohan and Goku and the boys. I'd, I got to watch that. And in between these cutscenes would be like this very like gross looking 16 bit video game that implied you were going from one destination of a map to another and then cut back to it. Hachiok is the main villain in that. 
And honestly, Cell Max has some Hot Shock vibes, just kind of mashed up with second form Cell and grown to enormous proportions. And I don't know, again, no subs, right? So there is quite possibly a great explanation for as to what Cell Max is or where he came from or why he is the way he is. We know that it's not real Cell. Like it's the remnants of the research of what made the original Cell. This is what helps to make Cell Max. So understanding that it is two separate characters, you know, that's an important part in being able to digest Cell Max, in my opinion. Um, And then like in the battle, you know, spoiler alert, <laughs> uh, go on destroys his brain at the end of the movie. Uh, there's also a cool moment where I think Piccolo goes to hit him with this, or maybe one of the Gamas goes to hit him with this huge blast again in his brain area, and it, the 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 key like it gets absorbed into his body, and he has like a Shin Godzilla like expulsion of all the power throughout all of his body and his tail and shit. Pretty cool, but like I said, it's you have to accept him as a different character. Yeah, yes, sure. But also, why not just make him a different monster? You know, just give me a... You did such a great job with all of the new characters introduced in this movie to do what you did to a fan favorite like Cell that has been asked for to be brought back for years and years and years. I gotta do him dirty like that, you know? The Cell that we got back then was a, I don't know, want to say complicated character, but like his motives were interesting and in that, you know, he was quote unquote evil, but also he's like, yeah, I'll wait 10 days. Honestly, I'm just trying to test out my strength and uh, see if I truly am the ultimate life form in the galaxy and like some real like existential, if I'm going to be the strongest, am I the strongest? Uh, I don't know if existential is the right word. Who gives a fuck? My point is, Cell was a much more interesting character back then because of those types of motives. Now it's like, Made it a test tube. I'm not that guy. I don't even say any words. I scream really loud. I grunt a bunch. Have a big old battle. Kai oh, uh, you know, the other obvious um, you know, reference would be Harudagarn from the Wrath of the Dragon movie, right? Take those three, mash them up. Cell form two, Hachiak, Harudagarn, and boom. Just I don't know, man. I, I just I don't know. I guess I guess if you're gonna bring Cell back, I wish they would have done something more. And uh they didn't. I wish this movie, this would have been like a two for one deal. I think I might've said this two weeks ago. I wish this movie would have been the Gamas. They end up stopping, you know, whatever the red ribbon army is up to, but the threat throughout is like this ultimate evil that we don't even have an idea of what it is. The Gamas and Gohan and Piccolo ultimately thwart the threat. The movie concludes, everybody's friends, maybe the Red Ribbon Army's destroyed, quote-unquote, destroyed. And then that post-credit scene, because this movie gave us a post-credit scene. Instead, this post-credit scene is like the larva of Cell being incubated in a tube underground under the rubble. And yeah, obviously, that's a fucking Dragon Ball Z beat, but everything we fucking do in this goddamn franchise is a beat that we've already had previous in the series. So. That could have set up a part two. Gohan thought the Red Ribbon Army was gone, and yeah, they're gone, but guess what? Cell. And somehow he's perfect. Or maybe he's not even perfect. Maybe we go around and watch him, uh, you know, uh, murder a whole town again, sucking them off for power. It's not worse than I meant it, but y'all know what I meant. That would have been cool. And then you have Cell, uh, you give Cell some time to breathe as a character in that second movie. That'd have been fun, but 
you know, big giant kaiju monster who's gonna fight big giant kaiju piccolo and speaking of that the other bad thing that i kind of didn't like about this movie the forms these transformations giant high sea glow piccolo i mm, didn't really like how it looked didn't like gohan's form i'm not against them getting new forms i'm all about making old characters relevant and making the cast expand a little bit you know as it was the goku show for so long now it's been the goku and vegeta show for a while now we got a broly involved now we can get a gohan and a piccolo involved and before you know it you got six seven eight nine people on the z team teaming up for uh the next tournament of power which also was a nice little tease that i enjoyed in this uh movie was the idea that Broly is training with them because they're getting ready to fight in the next tournament of power whenever that may happen, and they're excited to fight Jiren again. That's cool. I'm I'm definitely into that idea, but expanding the cast is a good thing, and if you have to give them transformations to do that, yeah, of course, that makes sense. I just... It's cool to see Piccolo use his Super Namekian form again. I think it's funny that Krillin is basically only in this movie to remind Piccolo that he did that once. <laughs> He's like, yo, what's up? Remember like 30 years ago in the Tenkaichi Budokai? You were a giant too? And you fucked up Goku? Just do that. Piccolo's like, that's right. I did do that. <laughs> like, God bless Krillin, man. We'd be all fucked without him. He does a Taioken. That's cool. He blinds Kaiju Cell with the Taioken. And then he uh, like babysits Bulma and Pan while they try to escape from the giant monster. Krillin pulled his weight, but obviously, you know, the biggest role he had was reminding Piccolo, it's time to have your big day. That's what this movie should have been called. Dragon Ball Superhero, Piccolo's Big Day. Piccolo's Big Day. Or, Dragon Ball Superhero, Piccolo Trolls Go On. Because that's what this movie is. <laughs> it's just Piccolo trying to piss off provoke Gohan into a more powerful uh, state of being so because he can't get in touch with Goku right now he's like fuck nobody's answering the phone at Goku's planet well his kid's around better piss him off fake kidnap his daughter or whatever play dead for a minute see what see what might happen and what happens is is this form called final Gohan is what they're calling it there is literally zero explanation for Gohan's form. Piccolo's form is explained. And I looked into it a little bit. So he goes to Dende, asks to have his potential unlocked. Dende isn't strong enough to do that. He, bet, he says, let's have Shenron do it. If I upgrade Shenron, he'll be able to do that for you. He does it. And then he is granted like an extra power from Shenron, which is the thing that turns him orange in the final battle. So Shenron grants him this extra ability. And according to the superhero novelization in Japan, uh, the symbol on Piccolo's back represents the pride of the Namekian race. Okay, so Shenron like grants him this extra ability. And uh, this says, a circle of light runs across Piccolo's back, and in it grew a Jisa. So that's Capital A-J-I-S-A. And in it grew a Jisa, a tree painted with light, the tree of his home planet Namek. 
Eventually, the tree of light grew leaves of light. <laughs> Eventually, the tree of light grew leaves of light and became a round crest. It is a symbol of pride of the Namekian race. Piccolo's fall stopped and his body was enveloped in an orange light. So whatever extra power Shenron imbued upon Piccolo is like uh, the original tree of Namek or something like that. I don't know. It does seem like Piccolo is uh, God again in some respects. Like it, it, Shenron like respects him when he sees that it's him summoning him in the scene. It, it's actually kind of cool, even though I don't know all the specifics of what they're saying. Again, no subs. Uh, you can see that Shenron is like, oh shit, Piccolo Dimeouse. He's the one. What do you need, sir? Let me get you uh, this extra tree power right away, man. So at least Piccolo's had an explanation. Gohan? Nope. He's just got really big, straight back, very long silver hair, red eyes. Uh, again, I'm not a huge fan of how these forms work or, or look, rather. I just, I'm more interested in um, them being relevant to the cast again and potentially being involved in the story more, that's a good idea to me. Um, I guess I just don't love how Gohan's form looks. A lot of people drew comparisons to what the original Super Saiyan form was supposed to look like, which Toriyama almost gave it red eyes and white hair instead of uh, yellow hair and green eyes. A lot of people drew that comparison. A, a lot of people also said, you know, SSJ5 from... Uh, Dragon Ball AF, uh, I believe the character, this is something I've not really read. I did a deep dive on Dragon Ball AF with Anthony Gramulia from Comic Book Resources a couple of years ago. That's somewhere in the archives. Maybe I'll link it in the show notes. That's a good episode if you want to know more about that series. But I believe it's a character named Shizor, which also I believe is ripped off from Shadows of the Empire Star Wars, Prince Shizor, who like emitted pheromones and all the ladies loved him all the ladies loved him anyway she's or a chief super saiyan 5 it's like goku's illegitimate son who he had with like a not not had with he was like made from goku and like the power of a kai or some shit this is the similar kind of look to what super saiyan 5 looks like in that it's like a white silver-ish hair with red eyes a lot of people drew that comparison as well uh i can see both i don't know which it is i'd have to imagine it's more along the lines of not a tr or I guess a callback or you know to what the original Super Saiyan was supposed to look like I don't imagine Toyotaro even though he was the guy who made Dragon Ball AF originally I can't imagine he would have had the influence to make Goku or excuse me Gohan's final form look like a look like it does I or maybe he did I don't know I in my brain I'm thinking like it's a movie property but Toriyama being the creative director on everything Dragon Ball, like he would have to give the notes on, on what that looks like, right? Maybe Toyotaro influenced his notes there. I I don't know. Either way, I don't like how it looks. I think it looks fucking stupid. There is one particular shot after everything concludes in this movie, and it was circling around the internet as the movie dropped because people weren't sure if it was real. People thought it was made up fan fiction shit you know what i mean and it's the battle's over goku i keep saying goku i'm a dirty goku weeb uh gohan and piccolo are standing there like talking after the battle concludes i think piccolo's got his arms crossed and pan walks up to them be like papa you know and she looks at them 
and it's like, oh shit, thank God. There's my dad. Now I can give you a hug and we can have our happy ending. What the hell was that look you were rocking 30 seconds ago? Pop. But those are probably my two biggest, uh, I don't want to say issues. They're not issues with the movie. I still really enjoyed the movie and I had a blast. Uh, they're just, I, I wish they did something different <laughs> or went a different direction or design things differently. Uh, Cell Max and uh, the final form for Gohan and this new, uh, even the potential Unleashed Piccolo, that was cool. The giant orange Piccolo, not even giant Piccolo. I'm down with giant Piccolo. Just like, why? What the fuck are people calling it? Giga Chad Piccolo with his big old chin and his orange high C complexion. I just, I don't know. I get it though. Like, cause Shenron, Dragon Balls, Dragon Balls are orange. He's imbued with the power of the Dragon Balls. Even though it's the power of some Namek tree, I guess. I don't know. I, I just, the forms don't bother me as much as Cell Max. The Bio Broly stank on Cell Max. <laughs> you could have done any other design. Every other new character in the movie was great. Could have just given us a new, cool, scary, giant monster. But no, they're like, make it look like Cell so that Gohan can fuck him up. People will be like, remember that time in 1991, I think, where Gohan was like, Kamehameha with his broken ass arm? And obviously, you know, the call here is it's going to be a similar kind of thing. One, actually, but I guess before I move on to the Akira Toriyama interview, this is going to be a long episode, huh? It, one thing that I really did like about the end of the movie, even though I don't like the forms, I don't really care for Cell Max. There's a moment where I'm like, what's going to be the thing to push Gohan over the edge? And we saw it all in the the trailers and things like that. There's that moment that uh, parallels or is a, it's a callback to when he loses it in the Cell games, when 16's head gets stepped on. And there's a moment where like, I think it's one of the Gamas is almost stepped on. Or no, I think it's right after Gama 2 is like, gone and dusted like he fucking got dusted by thanos or whatever uh he basically tries to sacrifice himself to kill cell only manages to take off his hand uh he fades away and i'm like oh man you're gonna do the same thing some random ass android that gohan likes for some reason out of the blue is gonna die and that's gonna be the thing to trigger him i thought they were gonna do that and then they didn't because piccolo joins the fight and piccolo essentially i think like, yeah, he was taking a beating a little bit, but he just kind of played dead for a minute and Gohan was like, oh shit. But they were so sensitive to the fact that they, like, the studio did, a, the studio is made of Dragon Ball fans, man. <laughs> like, Cell goes to do the same move where he stomps down on the person and Piccolo dives in to save the person and I'm like, yes, yes. I didn't think Piccolo was going to die right then. But I was like, Piccolo makes the sacrifice play to spark Gohan into his next form. Yes. That makes sense. And it's cool. And they knew that I thought that. And they knew that I thought that I was, they knew that I thought it was weird with the androids before. And now they're putting the right character in that spot. But then Piccolo being the Giga Chad man that he is, I guess. <laughs> he like fakes it and gets Gohan to, to. Even though he calls, I think Piccolo actually calls him out to do, you know, a big old Kamehameha to finish him. Instead, he plays dead for a moment. Gohan loses it, transforms into his final form. And then 
tells a Mugungosampal, a special beam cannon, through the brain of Cell, or Cell Max. And it was just so beautiful the way they set that up, because like, you never see another character use the move, right? This is the second time, or the second person we've seen use it. Although, actually, now that I said that, didn't Perfect Cell use it? Or did I make that up? Maybe might be thinking of non-canon stuff. I might be thinking of a GT Cell moment. Cell and Frieza versus Goku and Hell and Dragon Ball GT. I might be thinking of that. Did he use a Malkin Gosenpo in Dragon Ball Z? Either way, it's never been used by two fucking good guys, okay? That's how we'll frame it instead. Uh, Gohan using the Malkin Gosenpo. It's a one-handed move, too, just like his one-handed Kamehameha was. It works. It's a, in honor of his teacher. Um, you know, somebody he thought for a moment that he lost, so... All those beats make sense. It was a fun movie. I had a good time, man. I think people hating on it too hard. It's like Dragon Ball. Like, what do you expect, man? Shit's made for little kids. Just try to have fun best you can. That's that's my motto, man. Anyway, uh, I'm gonna take a break real quick because I've been going for about 45 minutes. I want to read you this Akira Toriyama interview. Look at some of your answers from Instagram. And then we got a voicemail from Majin Buu. You heard me right. Doodaloo, doodaloo. Hey, what's up? I'm not going to sing you a song about podcasts because don't you know that don't you want a podcast? You know, libsyn.com. I use my promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E for up to, I think, two months free. I'm actually trying really hard not to sing the podcast song from a few weeks ago. It's been stuck in my head for a minute, man. Anyway, uh, podcasting's cool. If you want to get some podcasts out to the world, Libsyn's a great way to do it. They automatically send your show to many of the top podcast platforms out there and kind of give you some step-by-step guidance on how to uh, best effectively set up your stuff when you're first getting started. Uh, I walk a lot of businesses through that process. That's what I do during the day, and then I talk about Dragon Balls uh, Dragon Balls at night with you guys, right? That's cool. Uh, but if you do need help with that stuff, feel free to reach out to me as well. I can kind of point you in the right direction with resources. But Libsyn's a great, affordable way to distribute your show. Probably the best uh, platform distribution system. Like, all the top shows use it. I know Rogan uses it. I, I mean, is is that enough of an endorsement for you? It's the, it's the company that Rogan uses, dude. Uh, Libsyn.com, L-I-B-S-Y-N.com. Use my promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E, for up to two months free. And that way they'll know that I sent you, and they'll be like, yo, that Kyle kid's all right. Let's give him, like, five bucks. And I'll be like, cool, five bucks. Five bucks is five bucks, man. You can buy a lot of shit with five bucks. Anyway. The weird ad. <laughs> And we're back. I can't believe I just did 45 minutes on my quote-unquote thoughts of this movie. I feel like I just over-explained a bunch of shit. I didn't have to, but whatever, dude. I talk about Dragon Ball to myself sometimes. Fucking deal with it. Anyway, there's this interview with Akira Toriyama that came out just after the movie, or excuse me, it came out in the superhero pamphlet that they released when the movie came out, recently translated, and I thought there were a couple of cool tidbits in here, so I just want to read through these questions and answers. Question. What do you think of the film's visuals in their current state? Akira Toriyama responds with, 
I'm answering this question after only a private test screening, but just the still partially incomplete visuals and only the voice actors, but no sound effects, music, etc. Even so, it was very impressive and I was excited thinking about what it would be like when finished. So there were two super in the title. Interesting part of this answer. So there were two, quote, super in the title. I think everyone thought I did that on purpose because nobody pointed it out to me. Laughs. So it's my fault if the super is so repetitive. This is actually like the main answer I wanted to read for this or from this interview. Homeboy thinks so little of us. I guess. I guess us. He didn't even remember the name of the thing he was working on. He knew it was Dragon Ball, but he's like, what the fuck's this thing called? Dragon Ball Z? Dragon Ball Super? Dragon Ball Super Super? Dragon Ball Superhero? Dragon Ball Super Superhero? Dragon Ball Superhero, right? And everyone was like, oh, he says goes. Dragon Ball Super Superhero, I guess. It's Superhero. I don't know why we're putting two supers in it. He just fucking forgot. It's so good, man. Question. For this film, the, quote, evolution of imagery really stands out. This visual improvement is something you yourself hoped for. So what did you think? Toriyama responds, so far, while everyone has worked very hard on the animation, there have always been areas of inequality in the finished project due to the division of labor and different talents and specialties of animators. Interesting answer. I think this is, I think this is him trying to uh, explain away why they made the CGI, you know? Areas of inequality in the finished product. So, yeah, we saw that with Dragon Ball Super, right? The the series itself. I think that they're trying to get us ready. When this anime comes back, it'll more than likely be in a CGI style. But this time, thanks to the revolutionary new method, this irregularity has disappeared. There is no quality reduction, even with the characters in the background. I'm really impressed. I don't know anything about movies, so I don't really understand how they did it, but it seems like it took a lot of time and effort. I think, more than likely, the time of the Yamamoro art style is over, at least in terms of the series. And I think Shintani also might not be it, as, as much as all of us would probably prefer that. Those Dragon Ball Broly visuals were amazing. And I think I would love to see the series come back in that style. But like he said, the irregularities or like inconsistencies between animators made Dragon Ball Super a very hard show to hire animators for. And that was a well-known production problem on the show. This CGI style, a lot of computer animated based stuff solves for a ton of it. Next question. What did you first think of when the conversation turned to a sequel to the movie Dragon Ball Super Broly? Toriyama responds, the previous movie Broly was all about next level combat. If we had continued like this and made the next movie another fight movie, we risked losing the joyful spirit of Dragon Ball. So this time around, I thought, let's bring things back on a slightly lighter path with character-based slices of life and a crisis that results in a big battle. These battle scenes are beautiful, as is the tradition in this series, and I am always very moved by them. Thanks to that, I can just write, Quote, and now these two characters are going to have a great fight in the original script. Rest easy knowing it will turn into an incredible battle thanks to the teams doing the rest. Naturally, this time the battles are more incredible than ever. Won't be able to take your eyes off them. And I will agree, the battles in this movie were pretty impressive. 
there's there's no uh, fluff there. The action in this movie is some top-notch Dragon Ball, for real. What was your goal in featuring Gohan, Piccolo, and the Red Ribbon Army? Toriyama. Gohan is actually stronger than anyone, or so they say. We talked about this a couple weeks ago. Lately, he hasn't had the chance to shine. In order to motivate Gohan, it takes the intervention of his revered teacher Piccolo rather than his father, Goku. I thought I'd try to birth some new superheroes, putting these two in the spotlight through their intense battles with the Gamma cyborgs. And as for the Red Ribbon Army, they didn't look so scary when I drew them in the original series, but this time I brought them back as an enemy organization that triggers the birth of a powerful, of powerful new enemies, plural. So, yeah, you can only go so far, or, or you can only go so high after you have a high-stakes movie like Broly. Like, uh, you know, you have to kind of dial it back a little bit, and that's exactly what this movie does. And uh, I'd say it paid off. Like, again, this movie was so much fun. In this movie, we see Piccolo's daily life and some unexpected parts of his personality. Is there any other backstory beyond what is presented in the film? Akira Toriyama responds. Piccolo is a rather complex character. Originally, he was the demon king Piccolo who split from the god who created the Dragon Balls of Earth. But then he was defeated by Goku, and the child to whom he gave birth, or rather his double, entered the Tenkaichi Budokai under the name of Majunya in order to hide his true identity. You think the name was going to be the thing to hide your true identity, Demon King Piccolo? Piccolo Daimao Ma Jr. You are still seven feet tall and have green skin? Like, who are you trying to fool, bro? Then later during the battle against Frieza, he got stronger by merging with a Namekian named Nail, and even later he recombined with God, which brings us to the present. It's such a complicated past that even I have trouble remembering it, laughs. Most Namekians are of the, quote, wise type, but the, quote, fighting type like Piccolo is rare. They are still a very mysterious breed, so they can be a bit of a headache even for me. Gohan and his family offered to let Piccolo live with them, but he chose to live in the nearby mountains instead as he likes quiet places. Living near water is the natural habitat of a Namekian. For some reason, they have teeth, but only drink water. Piccolo's smartphone was a gift imposed by Videl. <laughs> His collection of stuffed animals began when Gohan's daughter, Pan, gave him one. He pretended to be happy so as to not hurt Pan's feelings. So Gohan and Videl always mistakenly believe that he loves them. In fact, Piccolo is my favorite character. He's always so calm, so maybe this is the first time he's been so talkative and active. Very true, man. Like I said, the marriage of these three characters as your leads, Pan, Gohan, Piccolo interesting to me because in a lot of ways they've been very two-dimensional characters over the last span a good stretch of dragon ball stories they haven't been super involved and they all had like very well fleshed out personalities that both walked the line of cool badass they they all kicked ass and they all were very funny and had some you know some cool action scenes and uh, piccolo doing like his secret agent batman fucking body double shit in this movie just to, again, ultimately troll Gohan into ascending to a new form. Fucking brilliant. How did Gohan and his family view Piccolo? Toriyama. Gohan has always had a strong bond with Piccolo ever since he trained with him as a young child. And Videl and Pan also see Piccolo as a family member that they can rely on more than any other. You designed a lot of characters for this movie. Design-wise, did you come across any new experiences or things you were picky about? Toriyama. It's probably more a matter of taste, but somewhere over time, the warrior character's physique and facial features got too beefy. So this time around, I wanted to make things feel a little bit different. 
a little softer with my creation. I actually designed the enemy base too, but then they came up with something way more amazing. I'm really happy for all the things that they did that exceeded my imagination. The film is full of images like that. Piccolo has never taken off his shoes in any of the series so far. What do his feet look like? <laughs> this is the kind of shit that needs to be asked more in interviews. Uh, Toriyama, huh? He never took his shoes off? This surprises me too. <laughs> no, it doesn't. You don't give a shit, bro. I think they are pretty much the same as Earth feet, but his uh, toenails are black like his fingernails. No, in this movie, Piccolo's fingernails are colored black like in the original manga. Interesting. I guess I didn't catch that. The characters you designed were animated using a different method than before. Their models were first created, then motion was added to bring them to life. What was it like watching this process? Most of the main characters have been rechecked and changed countless times. I didn't see the process after that, but it was very moving to see the realistic movements of the characters. What do you think of the director, Kodama? I've never met him in person, but I got good impressions of his thoroughness and sense of style from my editor. When I first saw the animated images, I was particularly surprised by the composition, the presentation, the movement, and the rain scene. I just, I like this, these types of interviews with Toriyama specifically because I think a lot of us overinflate his involvement. Like, yeah, he does go up with the ideas and the story roughly, but then a million other people pick up the ball and run with it from there and are constantly trying to improve it. And I, I just like hearing about how at times, you know, he's got a lot of influence here and then the rest of it is just left up to other people who hopefully will do a good job. And I would say that they did in this movie. Tell us about the process behind the birth of Gamble 1 and 2, and what were your thoughts when designing them? Also, what do you think of the way Hiroshi Kamaya and Mamaru Miyano portrayed them? I will say those two voice actors for the Gamas did a real great job uh, before Toriyama responds. Who gives a fuck what Toriyama has to say? I'm going to say, Gama 2, you a real one, rest in peace. Gamble 1, I hope you join the cast because uh, like it makes sense to kill the goofy one of the two of them, you know, because then it's more sad. But then, like, it makes sense that you've got the pissed off, like, more serious android sticking around. And it's like, yeah, man, he's pissed off because his brother died. But also, he was always just kind of like this. Bit of a stick in the mud. Anyway, Toriyama says, Gamma Cyborgs were created by the brilliant Dr. Hito, whose dream it was for cliched heroes to appear. These somewhat old-fashioned drawings are the embodiment of what I imagined heroes to be when I was young. The two voice actors breathed life into them with perfect voices, so seeing them in action was cooler than I expected. For people who have already seen the movie once, what should you pay attention to the second time around? The anime series from 2013, so since the DBZ Battle of Gods movie, is just a continuation of my original manga. For viewers of past Dragon Balls, it can be a little difficult to understand the different relationships between the characters, so they might need to get up to speed on the series first. But for those who are already familiar with the series, the content should be quite easy to grasp after a single viewing. So for the second viewing, please enjoy mostly the action and details. And that's the end of this super long interview that I just read all of. Wow, I could read. I'm just kidding. I like Dragon Ball. I can't read. So, yeah. Some of those Toriyama thoughts I thought were interesting, and I don't think it really um, 
factors into my impressions of the movie overall, but it, I, it's interesting to think about and hear about, I think. So again, as I mentioned at the top of the show, I've been trying to do a little bit more community engagement stuff, uh, asking questions on Instagram for you guys to submit uh, through Instagram stories and I can read your answers. So I put out, I think like three or four sort of like, what were your impressions of this or that sort of questions on Instagram yesterday. So thank you to the people who responded. I appreciate you guys taking the time and I want to read some of your thoughts right now. And if I intersperse some of my own additional thoughts, fucking deal with it. Okay. First question. Were you a fan of this movie? Why or why not? Daniel K's Let's Plays said, thought it was great. The animation style worked much better for me than I expected. I agree with that, Daniel. I didn't think I'd like it either. And there was some scenes, especially in flashbacks. Uh, my buddy Jason pointed this out. A lot of the flashback stuff was done in like that 2D sort of style. And it, given the difference, I wasn't sure how well they would mesh together. And they did really well. Uh, but the Black Shirt comic says, not a fan. The movie can be much better than this. Come on, man. Let's have some fucking fun. GB, the editor, a.k.a. GB, who comes on this show usually once a month, said, haven't seen it and trying to avoid spoilers. To which I say, fuck you, GB, okay? I told you to stay out the inbox if you didn't want to see no spoilers, but no, you just had to pop on in there and give me this little shit, you know what I mean? And I don't actually know how badly you want to watch the movie, GB. Not that you listen to the podcast, you just are on it once a month, but you know what I'm talking about, man. You don't want to watch it that bad. You don't need to see it. I'm going to respond like this to every single answer that I get. Uh, from Shonen Dai. Uh, yes, because Gohan and Piccolo gets time to shine. Hell yeah, dog. Let's take a break from those Goku and Vegeta motherfuckers. Toxic as hell. JRS086. Amazing. Oh, this is my buddy Jason. Amazing 2D animated flashbacks. Horrible transformations. I said it like that because he put it in all caps. Chris Fornia, 93. My guitar brother in Christ. I've said it before and I'll say it again. This movie fucks. Hell yeah, buddy. Uh, and then he gave another follow-up thought. I loved it. Gohan is uh, Gohan in full piccolo attire, powered to all hell. Charging a special beam cannon was amazing. I agree. It was cool to see a nice magango sampol. Uh, and then Reese, uh, from the leaks, it looks like a bag of shit, but they threw glitter at it and made it pretty. Not wrong. Uh, he also said it was fun and enjoyable, far from perfect, but a lot better than what I thought it was going to be. I, I agree with a lot of those sentiments, Reese. I didn't have high expectations of this movie, which I think maybe actually helped me enjoy it more. I was going in like, eh, if I have fun, that'll be cool. And I had a lot of fun, and it's a very fun movie. Don't take it too seriously, boys. Uh, next question. Who were your favorite new characters? These boys are my new boys. That was my question. These boys in question are Gamma 2 and Dr. Hito. I really, 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 really like those characters. So uh, not everybody gave me answers on this because apparently people just fell off and gave initial impressions. They were like, questions? I got I to gotta write? Uh but a lot of love for the Gamas in these answers. Reese, Shonen Dai, Chris, uh, all like the Gamas. Uh, Gama 2 is a GOAT. Gama 2 is a greatest of all time. Mm, don't know how I feel about the word uh, GOAT. 
both uh yeah i agree the gamas were unexpectedly very entertaining very fun and uh i hope that they re i mean at the end of the movie dr hito goes to work for bulma at capsule corp and given like how you find hito like he busts out of jail blows it up with a grenade the red ribbon army's like hey what's up you're breaking out of jail that's cool why don't you come make some robots and then he does and like 15 fucking minutes they could rebuild gamma too really really easy and i think that would help from gamma one being sad and lonely you know uh how do you feel about these new forms are they good or bad are they cool or dumb etc good just the hair of gohan is super long that's it yeah it's like comically long like distractingly long like looks stupid as hell long uh jason's words triple d baby he didn't give it to Triple D, but he did. Uh, he said dreadful slash disgusting slash delirious. Delirious, huh? Like Eddie Murphy or Prince? Triple D, baby. You know what? I dig orange handsome Piccolo and final Gohan is no dumber looking than Super Saiyan 3. Rad. That's from Chris Fournier. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I think it looks stupider. An SSJ3. I think it looks like like that in-between stage from going from two where your hair is a little bit longer than Super Saiyan 1, and then it's like, fuck it, kick it up to Super Saiyan 3, and then your hair starts to grow. Gohan's hair looks like it started to grow, but it just grew straight back and then stopped halfway through. Uh, Reese, Gohan's hair is just stupid. I'm not fussed about Orange Piccolo. I'm glad they are both relevant again. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad they're relevant too, man. I, uh, I just... I don't know. Like, there were so many cool, like, fan sort of designs for what some sort of Super Namekian God Piccolo would look like. And they all were just, like, a million times way fucking cooler than this, uh, high sea orange looking motherfucker, you know? Uh, and then the last question. And finally, the shit I didn't believe in one million years, which is completely true. Cellmax, what are your thoughts, feelings, or reactions? Bio Broly 2.0, shaking my fucking head. Dude, Jason had a tough time with this movie. So much to the point that we heard from him uh, a little bit more in the, in the future. I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, Chris Fournier, I didn't believe the Cell rumors, but I didn't hate it. A different Cell with an unfinished brain, not bad. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm just it, like, if you're going to go to the length of differentiating it from the original Cell in the first place, because you know people were like, this isn't Cell. It's like a version of Cell. Like Jason said, that's Bio Broly 2.0. It's Bio Broly Stank on Cell, bro. Get that shit off. Wash it off. Just give me a new character. It doesn't even have to be a particularly good character. Just give me some cool-looking giant kaiju that goes smack. Even if you want to say it's based off of Cell's original design or whatever, that's cool. Don't make him look like second-form Cell and have me thinking... Why the fuck are they giving me Cell in this movie if this is all they're going to do with him? Just give me some stupid random monster that looks cool. Uh, and Reese, I hated Cell Max. I think it's an insult to my favorite villain in Dragon Ball. They had many others to pick from or create. Oh, yeah, exactly. Give me Harutagarn 2.0, bitch. Who cares? But no, Bio Broly 2.0. Woof. Bio Broly, not a good movie. This movie, though, I guess if I had to rate it, I don't know, like a six and a half, seven out of ten. Like, 
I'd watch it again. I'm waiting for that sub version to somehow make its way to the internet. That's not based off of Facebook auto captions. And uh, I'll de- like I said, I'll definitely go see it when it drops in the theaters in August, August 19th. And uh, I believe tickets go on sale on July 22nd. So don't be one of those pirate and douchebags who doesn't support the official release that uh, those people on the internet complain about. Oh, you guys, you guys are awful. You're going to kill the franchise. Like doing stuff like this. No wonder. What's up with this voice? No wonder they don't bring the anime back. <laughs> I don't know. I will say missed opportunity for a global release. Like if the trailer's already done for the American version and it came out last week, you could have just got them the visuals like, I don't know, two weeks earlier than what you originally did. Like, they could have done a global release. Pokemon fucking does global releases. Pokemon can do it. Why can't we? Pokemon's a bigger franchise in terms of, like, overall valuable IP. But Dragon Ball's no slouch, man. Number 15 in the world. All right. So we did get uh, the new voicemail came in that I am going to play. Uh, in case you didn't know, the voicemail has been vi- resurrected thanks to uh, superfan Victor O. Roman. Uh, you can give us a call and leave us a message at 401-213-9596. And you could also text. I forgot you can do that. 401-213-9596. You can call in, leave a message, or text me your thoughts about... Just do Dragon Ball shit, because honestly, I probably don't want to talk to you about most shit. Alright? Just keep it at Dragon Ball. Uh, maybe a Marvel, if you're watching Miss Marvel or Kenobi, you got some thoughts about that. Cause those are things I'm interested in. Other than that, like, I probably don't want to be your friend. I don't want to hear about your dog or your, your job or whatever, but, uh, I will listen to other relevant voicemails, which, uh, we got one from, you know, I'm not going to say who it's from. I'll just, I'll just let it play. Okay. So, I don't really know what to do with that. Uh, It's obviously Majin Buu. You know him. Uh, He's from a show called Dragon Ball Z. I talk about it on my podcast sometimes. And he said he wanted to eat me for, and then a word that started with D, right? So I was like, oh, he wants to eat me for dinner. But here's the thing. He didn't say that. He didn't say that shit at all. You didn't catch it? Let's try again. Me want to eat you for dead? Bro, don't. Don't do that. All right, that's obviously not Majin Buu. That's just somebody pretending to be Majin Buu, trying to play on my fears by being eaten by a big fat pink man. I don't want to be eaten by a big fat pink man. I'll say shout out to Jason. That was Jason who was very much not enjoying the Dragon Ball Super uh, superhero movie in the Instagram comments or the Instagram questions. That was him calling the voice line and doing a, a I think a pretty good Majin Buu impression. But I mean, I just had to point out the fact that I think you'd let it slip that you want to eat me for dead, which I think means you want me to die, which 
I think it's pretty fucked up, man. Don't do that. Don't wish death on me. Uh, okay. Uh, that's pretty much the end of the episode. It's a little bit longer than I anticipated it would be. Uh, thank you everybody to uh, thank you everybody for listening and submitting questions on Instagram and all that stuff. Um, I will say I have a couple of um, at least one, maybe two. I think I, I know I've got at least one other podcast that you need to go check out. I had a conversation with my buddy Flynn Hendricks. He makes a podcast called the I Know You Hear Me podcast, I believe, uh, or maybe it's just called I Know You Hear Me, but it's a podcast. You, you know what I fucking mean, all right? Uh, he interviewed me a few months back about not only Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Super Dope, but me making podcasts for a living and all that stuff. So we had like a good hour, hour 15 sit down a few months back. He just published it last Friday. Uh, and honestly, it had been at least two or three months since we recorded it. I forgot what the conversation, how it went. And it, it turned out to be pretty cool, man. I had a blast talking with him. So thank you to Flynn for having me on the show. If you want to hear it, go check it out. If you got to the end of the episode here, I assume you must like me enough to deal with my voice for an extended period of time. You're the person who should probably go listen to that interview. Okay? So there's a there's a link in the show notes. Go check it out. Uh, also, we just did the 200th episode of the Just Stuff League. That is a podcast that I produce with some of the experts from Antiques Roadshow. A couple of them are local to me, which is... Uh, Super dope, but we just did 200 episodes where we took a bunch of survey answers, uh, similar to what we've done on Super Dope in the past, and I just read them. I, I took the mic over and hosted the show for them and just read them a bunch of rude shit that people said about them on these uh, on these Google surveys. So that was really fun. Uh, if you haven't checked out the Just Stuff League before, they do a lot of stuff based on like comic books, antiques, collectibles, toys, old video games fine art furniture like everything that they deal in within their auction house which is a lot of different types of items they have they themselves are subject matter experts and have other people come on uh talk about that stuff as well we did a really cool episode a couple of weeks ago about pedigree comic book collections uh and specifically one of uh one that was found in bethlehem pennsylvania called the bethlehem collection duh and it had like some of the most uh it's like one of the most valuable comic book collections ever discovered. It was like in some guy's fucking estate sale house that he bought for like 10 grand or something. Fascinating story. We, we sat down and talked with the guy who found that back in the early 90s, our, our friend Phil. Um, so yeah, that's a long plug for the Just Stuff League. I just been having a lot of fun with it lately. Uh, 200 episodes, I think, is a pretty big milestone. And I love working on that show. So Go check it out if you like Super Dope, and you'll hear me occasionally chime in and make fun of people who uh, are on television, because that's what I do. I just make fun of everybody equally, equal opportunity hater. I actually told one of the hosts in this last episode that uh, he was going to get fucking hit at the end of the episode, and we kind of wrap it up on that note, more or less. If you want to know the full context, I guess you're going to have to listen to the episode, but no joke, dude. I was ready to fucking hit Travis. Um, all right. So Dragon Ball Super Superhero, really cool movie. Can't wait to watch it again. Can't wait for the subtitle version. If you find one that's not automated from Facebook, because that's the one everyone's been sending me the last few days. I appreciate you guys looking out for me. I really do, but take the 10 seconds to realize what it is. It says when you look at it on mute that these captions are auto-generated from Facebook. So they're not gonna be 
they're more useful than nothing, I guess, but they're not going to be as useful as if they were translated by an actual uh, speaker of the Japanese. You know what I mean? So uh, we'll see that soon. Tickets on sale July 22nd. I believe that's all I wanted to get done today. Kenobi was finally good again this week. Super dope. Uh, Miss Marvel somehow blew it out of the water again, though. So if you're not watching either of those two series, go catch up on them. I'm sure I'll do an episode on at least Kenobi. Maybe Miss Marvel, too. Mike Norm. I'm telling you, boys. Mike Norm misses us. Okay? He always is, like, watching podcasts on YouTube talking about nerdy shit, which is something he would not used to do. He would just, like, sit around and, like, listen to the audiobook history of, like, Warhammer 40k for eight hours at a time while he painted statues. Now, some new shit drops on Disney+. Plus. He watches it, like, the morning of, watches a bunch of material about it because he wants to learn more. He misses us, boys. Okay? So maybe we'll do something on Kenobi or Miss Marvel or both. Maybe with Mike Norm. It depends. He can be a real fucking grumpy pants sometimes. So it can be tough to get him in front of a microphone if he's not feeling it. But shovel a fucking couple beers down his throat usually changes his tune. Uh, any other final thoughts? I don't think so. I appreciate you hanging with me through an hour of 20 minutes of me talking to myself about Dragon Ball. That was fucking cool of you. Uh, if you enjoyed it, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. There are rating systems for both. Five stars, please. Uh, follow me on Instagram at dbsuperdope, Twitter at dbsuperdope1. You can call or text us with your Dragon Ball thoughts, 401-213-9596. All right? That's going to do it. Superhero, it was lots of fun. I guess that worked. That was better than the one I tried before that, which was too many words. Superdope.